Welcome to the Life in the Red podcast presented by the Lincoln Journal Star, your source for Husker news, analysis, and more. From football in the fall to recruiting in the summer, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Bassnett, Parker Gabriel, and Stephen M. Sippel. Three, two, one. Welcome in, Life in the Red podcast. I'm Chris, there's Parker, there's Steve. It is 4.45 p.m. here on Wednesday, September 22nd. We're a few days out from uh, Nebraska traveling to Michigan State for a rather large football game. We're going to talk plenty about that. We're going to talk a little hoops. Uh, the basketball team, the men's basketball team, had their their photo day today, their annual photo day. So we'll touch on that a little bit. But we're mostly going to stick to football for obvious reasons. Nebraska coming off the 23-16 to 16 loss, number three, Oklahoma. Now heading north to East Lansing to face Mel Tucker's 3-0 Michigan State Spartans coming off a 38-17 win at previously ranked Miami. Uh, Sparty's rolling in, in Tucker's second year, really year one, if you consider last year year zero, considering all the stuff that went on with that. But, yeah, they're rolling. It's the start of a – it's the start of a uh, – what you would call, I guess, intriguing stretch for the football team uh, over these next several weeks. You have Michigan State, of course, this Saturday, and then Northwestern Michigan at home, then at Minnesota. Um, October 16th before you get to your first bye week of the year. So we're going to start there. Let's let's set up this Michigan State game. Uh, I'll turn it over to you guys. What are your thoughts as we kind of start to really hone in on the Spartans and what we might see Saturday? Well, I mean, first of all, you're going to Michigan State with a, I mean, with a good Nebraska team that may have its full complement of receivers and tight ends. So you would add Oliver Martin to – Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, Samari Ture, um, the two tight ends. Now, that, that'll look good. I mean, you're going there without Gabe Irvin, but you're going there with almost a full complement of running backs. But you're also going there without a, an offensive line. Well, you're going with an offensive line. But it, <laughs> they do have. They, yes, they do Freudian. have. They <laughs> yeah, have one, was, yes. That was a little Freudian, wasn't it? Um, yeah, that was a little Freudian. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're going with some struggling tackles. I saw some. I saw some pro football focus numbers today that I won't even repeat out loud. They're so bad. Um, yeah, not safe for work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'll just I'll, – I'll, for the sake of those two kids, I'll just not go there. But they're really struggling up front. <laughs> the kickers, you know, I mean, we'll see how that all looks. But, but I, think we're going, I think we're going to watch a close game is what I think. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting. I mean, as you said, it's, it's an intriguing – stretch of four games it's a critical stretch of four games and it it feels like we're going to, have to probably talk more about this but it really is the start of a a critical run here Michigan State Northwestern Michigan Minnesota before the bye week so the the challenge is in not getting uh, not having any letdown after what felt like a big game last week against Oklahoma, it feels like a big game again this week. Um, and then, and also not trying to win all four of these games at the same time, which I don't think that's really, I don't think that's going to be too much of an issue uh, for Nebraska. They know they've got their hands full with the Spartans. You don't have to watch Michigan state or Kenneth Walker for that matter, the running back um, for long to understand that you're not going to, you know, waltz up out, up there and and take an easy game from a team that's rebuilding under a second year head coach. I mean, they're they're playing well. They've got a bunch of uh, transfers that are 
making an impact early on, including Walker, uh, Quavarius Crouch, the linebacker uh, transfer from Tennessee, and a bunch of other guys. So it's, um, you know, Adrian Martinez said on Monday, uh, it's a need game. And he said, but every, every game for us is a need game at this point. So it just, I find Nebraska to be in a very interesting situation where they haven't proven a lot so far this year. They're two and two after four games, um, a near upset of a really good team and a bad loss to a bad team on its record. And uh, everything that Nebraska wants to accomplish this year is still out there for it. Um, but they're going to have to sort of take it, you know, a, a week at a time to try to make up that ground beginning this weekend. It's the, it's the, you said it, Parker, it's like the classic one game at a time situation, right? Like they can't, you can't look ahead to those two home games coming up. You can't look ahead to the road trip to Minnesota. Like it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Michigan state this weekend. And it's, it's gotta be Michigan state not, and not, we almost got Oklahoma and now we're going to Michigan state. Like you can't let, you can't let Oklahoma linger, you know, the way you lost that game, even though you played fairly well in the large loss of that game, you can't let it linger. You can't let one loss turn into two losses as the, as the old cliche goes. So yeah, it's, you're right. I feel like we say this every week with this program, but it's, it's super interesting. Like Nebraska can win this game. There, there's no question about that. I don't think we're actually really going out on a limb by saying that, but they, they've got to have the focus in the right spot. They've got to have the I's dotted, the T's crossed, all those sorts of things, because we've seen it before out of this team. They'll play well, they'll play okay, then the next week it's a disaster or, or vice versa. All right. all right, let's face it. I mean, let's let's just be real. If they go 0-2, if they fall to 0-2 in the Big Ten, they're out of the West race pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. why – I mean, that's part of the reason it's big. I mean, you're out of the West race – pretty much at 0 and 2. Um, and then interest wanes a little bit. I mean, what do you I mean the fan base interest wanes. Hey Parker, can you quick do your imitation? <laughs> Parker does a mango really good smoothie coming up. Just, just a little mango <laughs> smoothie coming. Table four. I uh but I but I I I, I mean I, I just reiterate I think they'd be about out of it. Now you Obviously, you worry about the fan base interest waning and the vibe becoming overly negative um, fans. But also, I mean, if I'm the head coach, I don't know if coaches think this way. I would. I'd be a little worried about my guys if you're out of the West Division race. I mean, I would. I mean, this just makes it harder to motivate. So I think it's a gigantic game. I think the program needs – I don't know. You guys should help the old man here. I don't – I think it's – they haven't beaten a ranked team since 2015 when they beat Michigan State. Now, that I, by my compilation, that's 14 straight losses to ranked teams. Does that sound right, guys? Sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, certainly sounds good. plausible. Okay. And, I, and I think that loss to, to – um, I think that loss to Oklahoma made them, uh, I'm going to say, 5-13 and 13 in games decided by seven or fewer. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah, this game's going to be close. They need to turn those things around, you know, and it would be there there would be. I think it would be a shot of momentum for the fan base and more importantly, a shot of momentum for the program. A big shot, by the way, a big shot in advance of a critical stretch. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting because it would. I think I totally agree with you, Sipple, that it would be. And and then on the on the flip side of that, like if you lose this game, it's hard to know what to expect. Um, not only for the the last three there before the bye week, but also like if you if if you were looking at Nebraska and they had a loss to Illinois and they had a loss to Michigan State and you're zero and two in the Big Ten. Now we think about Michigan State maybe a little differently now than we would have two months ago. But it gets harder and harder to to piece together six wins on the schedule, right? I mean, it gets harder to find. They're going to be in a lot of close games probably, but you drop another game that's close or conversely you get blown out and it you start looking at the schedule and saying, how's this team going to get to a bowl game in year four of Scott Frost? And that, you know, that would be – not the immediate concern, but that would certainly, I think that would start to enter the equation too, let alone, you know, competing for the West. Which is why I don't, I know there's a lot of cynicism attached to this discussion, but it's why I believe it could, you could make a real strong argument. This is the biggest game of Frost tenure. Now, I know what you're going to say until, I don't know. I don't think you'd say next week, but maybe Michigan, then you'd say it. I don't know, but um, this is, I mean, the biggest to this point, I, I, I think they're if, if they keep playing well, there's going to be bigger games than this. Sure. But if they lose it, I don't – I mean, it feels as big as any game I, we've that Nebraska's had in Frost's first three-plus years. But they well, all – that's, that's called a segue. Uh, we're going to go into the hot topic right now, and that's, that's the question. Is this the biggest game of Scott Frost's tenure? Um, Sipple already kind of stated his case a little bit. Parker, what, yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say, yes. well, Go Sipple, yeah, you, you said you can make a strong case, so make it to lead us off here. Well, just what well, it's just, I just would cover what we said. I mean, if you lose, you're out of the West race. Um, oh, on the other hand, if you win, you got a shot to, then you got Northwestern coming into your home turf with a chance to go two and one in the Big Ten and put yourself squarely in the race. Uh, put yourself squarely, I mean, not squarely in a bowl conversation, but really enhance your bowl chances, which is critical. I mean, it's one of the things fans are looking for this year at a minimum, but just make a bowl game. Um, I think it's important for the players after all these near misses. You heard Deontay Williams. You heard Garrett Nelson talk about how sick they are of coming close. They're tired of it. So a win is affirmation for the players that all this hard work is, is paying off. A loss is just one more bit of frustration. And you wonder at what point that frustration begins to affect preparation, affect mindset. Um, these guys, need, I think this program needs a win badly like this, a win like this, not a win against Buffalo, not a win against Fordham, a, a win against a top 20 program, top 25 program. Um, so I don't, it's hard for me to find a, it would have been hard for me to find a bigger win. I guess people were talking about Illinois that way this year. Um, and I think that loss in a way enhances the need for this, for them to win this game. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right. Tipple about losing to Illinois, making this game all the more critical. I, I think I'll say that it is, although I've got a couple other contenders for what could have been. Uh, I was, I distinctly remember sitting in the press box the last time Scott Frost and Mel Tucker coached against each, against each other in Boulder in 2019. And when Nebraska was leading that game 17 to nothing at halftime and dominating, 
and Adrian Martinez was nine of nine for 180 and two touchdowns. I remember looking around and going, this is pretty wild. Like they're dominating the stadium is 60% Nebraska fans and they're going to be ranked in the top 15 next week. I don't know if they're that good, but they're going to be. Um, and at that point that felt like the tide could have turned that day. And instead it didn't obviously Colorado came back and won that game. And so it just goes on the heap of close losses. And then I think you yep. could make a similar argument about that 2018 game in Columbus where they almost knocked off Ohio State, had a chance to win in the second half and didn't get it done. So that's sort of, to me, like it's the, it's the most important game because it's the next chance to find that jumping off point that they've been really convinced is just over the horizon and they haven't found it yet and they haven't done it yet. And they haven't, you know, notched that win that's going to send them off on this run yet. Um, Those are the best two examples I can think of other games where you felt like that could happen. Um, Mm -hmm. Certainly, you know, this has the potential to either be that sort of turning point or just another on the, on the pile of, of, oh, well, that could have been a big moment. You guys have uh, – I agree with what you're saying. You've also kind of made my argument for me, and that is how many how many times are we going to say this is the biggest game of Scott Frost's tenure yeah. this year, whether it's been this year, last year, whatever it was. If they win this one, then does Northwestern become the biggest game because it's the next one after this one? Or does Michigan become the biggest game? Or does Minnesota become the biggest game? Are, are they – is every single one of these games from here on out going to be the biggest game of Scott Frost's tenure based on the previous result, the results the previous week, previous couple of weeks, whatever it may be? I don't know. I mean, is it's it's absolutely an enormous game. I don't disagree with that. But man, that's it's just it's almost it's exhausting for me to talk about it. I can't imagine what it feels like for Scott Frost, you know, and or in that coaching staff and those players. Like it's it's like what we've talked about before, where like every single week is a referendum on this yep. team, on that's this it. coaching staff, that's what it is. you know, yeah. it's, and whether that's fair or not, that's what it is. And so is it the biggest game of Scott Frost tenure? Very well might be, but it also might be, it probably isn't going to be the last time we say that this year, depending on no. what happens Saturday and what happens down the road. Yeah. All I'm talking about is to this point. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it could, we could be having it again. I don't think we'd be having it again next week if they lose. Um, um, if they win, I don't even know if we would. But, yeah, we would have it again for sure. I mean, what you hope is, if you're a Nebraska fan, is that we have it about four more times this year. You know? Yeah. Because that would just say it means they're building. I would not – you know, I would agree with Parker on Colorado. That would have been a big one. The Ohio State obviously would have been a big one, but they had already lost six games that year. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure that would have swung too much. I mean, obviously winning at Ohio State is always big, but – this one would would I mean it, just the fact that they're out of the race in week you know in their second Big Ten game basically would I mean that's and and just just because it's year four um, as opposed to year two you know it would just yeah I, it would set up such an interesting challenge if they do beat Michigan State though right because it would feel in a way it's different than beating Penn State at home last year. But it would feel similar in a way, which is then you'd be coming back home to play Northwestern. You'd probably be a solid favorite over Northwestern at three and two. And then you'd have a chance to sort of conquer that demon 
mm-hmm. that you couldn't last year. Handle the right. success, beat a team you're supposed to beat, get to four and two, and then have Michigan come to town. I mean, it's still like for as much up and down as there's been early in the year, you can see the path to a productive season for Nebraska. And you can see the path (laughs) to a productive four weeks here before the bye week, but you can't see it as nearly as clearly, if at all, if they lose in East Lansing. Exactly. Part of the reason why it feels like such a big game. Yeah. Thank you. All right. That's good. Good job. Nighttime in East Lansing where big games happen on a yearly basis. Woodshed. It's going to be the woodshed. How about the woodshed? How about the woodshed? I'm bringing an axe. And I got my suspenders and a flannel. And I'm going to you the woodshed. You, you got the beard like and the flannel already. Yeah, you right look like a lumberjack already. I mean, you're, you're an axe man. You're a bit of an axe man. I, I think, think that's yeah. going to be my scene column. Can, can I use that woodshed stuff for my scene column, Baz? Is that sure? Does that make yeah. sense? This the scene column is not my intellectual property. So you're more than welcome to. <laughs> <use the woodshed. laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah. You should Maybe call, you you should call him and ask him for like a line edit, like a line edit on the scene column. Yeah, yeah. he loves you should, doing uh, it anyways. So, yeah, you should uh, you should find an actual woodshed somewhere near East Lansing and like do the scene column from an actual woodshed oh. in, in the in the wilderness of Central Michigan. That's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Well, it's gonna someone's gonna have to someone's gonna like call the police on us. Like we're gonna be wandering around Lansing on Saturday afternoon, like snooping in people's backyards looking for a woodshed. Yeah. No, I would for not, a woodshed. <laughs> I guess you would have to probably go into somebody's property for that. Simple's gonna get killed, actually get killed with somebody with an axe because we're looking for a woodshed <laughs> and somebody chopped I'm wood. 55 and I've lived a great life. If that's the way it, it you, goes, you had a good run. Uh, yeah. we've talked about it all the time. You've had a good run. Yeah, so. it's, been a good, it's been a real good run. Wild. It's been a really enjoyable for me, too. I just want to tell you. <laughs> well, thank you. All right, what else is on your minds? Well, what, you, what should be on our minds? Should we talk OU a little bit? Just kind of recap the trip. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got good, good, yeah. Go, uh, good to see our, our old friends down in Big 8 country, Big 12 country. I That was a fun trip for me. I'd never been there before. Parker never been to yeah, the state no, of Oklahoma yep. before. So, yeah, just I thought it was super cool. Just being in that stadium, seeing those teams, you know, there was the, the nostalgia part of it with the 50th anniversary of the game of the century, which, by the way, was a little weird, I thought, and how they built all that up. And then they at halftime, their their big reveal for honoring this was to, like, have some guys line up on the goal line and talk about it for 30 seconds. And like, yeah, they just for like one minute. Yeah. And then this kind of they just kind of walk off the field. So it was a little weird uh, in my book. But anyway, great atmosphere. Uh, yeah. Great, great scene. Love the campus. Love the stadium. Um, I, I think the south end zone at Oklahoma's Memorial Field is something Nebraska could strive for at, at its own Memorial Stadium. That's that's a whole other topic. But, yeah, it was just cool to be in that and to see it up close, being down on the field, on the grass. We talked to Dom Riola a little bit before the game. We saw the saw the kind of the throwback uniform touches up close. It's just it's cool to see that stuff and cool to see a little, a little, uh, a little picture from the past, I guess. Can I challenge you guys as journalists real quick? Please. Can I challenge you. I, I had, a, I've had trouble with this this week when people asked me what it was like, but we were walking up to the stadium and I kept saying, man, it was so intense, you know, walking up to the, to Gaylord family Memorial stadium at 8 AM. What was so intense about it? How would you describe it? That's a great question. I had that feeling too. Sip. I know exactly what you're saying. Um, 
it just yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Felt it felt different. It felt different than driving to drive to Mizzou, you know. Everywhere yeah, you I mean, go, the everywhere you go feels a little bit different. Like if you like when we got to Illinois, you know, there, there's it's sort of parking lots out around the stadium and you walk through and there's some people around, you know, there's a couple tailgates, not a couple, there's there's tailgates and then there's you know, there's guys selling tickets. And then the, Illinois has got that area off the south end of the stadium that's like the, you know, sort of official pregame area. The Grange Grove. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then, like, you know, in Madison, there's a couple streets worth of house parties going on before games and all that. I thought the cool thing about Oklahoma was that from the moment we got out of the car and we we're 10-minute walk from the stadium – it was packed with, with tailgaters all the way up to the stadium and they were already rolling. You know, it was, I don't know, eight o'clock or three hours before kickoff yeah. and everybody was already rolling. And then, and then on top of that, um, they had the big noon kickoff set up. And as we were walking around the stadium uh, to shoot our little video and then go in, they were introducing Bob Stoops on the big noon kickoff as that was about to get going uh, and that that part of the crowd is wrapped up, and there's music, and you can hear the band and all that. So it was just a and the band, the band yeah. music was. I mean, the, the the boys in the band were striking it up early, which I think yeah. that and the ladies, women, um, that that was part of it. I don't know. I guess when I guess maybe the best way to explain it is if Nebraska were ranked third in the country and had made four college football playoff appearances in the last six years. Um, it probably feels something like that, you know. It'd, yeah. it'd be it'd be bizarre. It'd be it it would feel like it did in the nineties. I hate to say that, but um, so yeah, I I was really taken by the scene. Um, yeah, the, the oh yeah, and the last thing is that they pack a lot of people on the sideline the pregame. Yeah, for such a little area, you know. There's just that little. It's one of the smallest sideline areas you'll see. You're cooped uh, up down there. <clears throat> a little cooped up, yeah, but it's cool. I mean, Baz, I don't even know if you noticed when we were standing. I think you were talking to Dom. Literally, Lincoln Riley had to had to move me to get on the field. Like he, he <laughs> ran, he ran, he practically ran into me and then just kind of said, "Excuse me," and he kind of pushed me aside. He had to uh, scheme something up to get by you. Yeah, it was kind of funny in a way. I was like, "Oh, that was Lincoln Riley." Sorry. Oh, hello. Uh, <laughs> hello, Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's funny, like think about the last three years, but the last two seasons with fans that we've had this year in 2019. And think about our two yeah. probably favorite road trips, Oklahoma, Colorado, you know. God, good point, Paz. You know, it, and it's just it, it felt different at both of those. Colorado for different reasons. There's a ton of Nebraska fans there and there's a there's a real hatred between those those fan yeah, bases. There, yeah, there is. And, but it just it's just so different than than going to Purdue, going to Michigan State, going to even going to Ohio State, you know, or, or whatever Rutgers, whatever you want to say. It's just there's it's history. different. There's history. There's history. There's history. Yeah. And it, it just it, it's it, it's a little different feeling and a little different kind of uh, I guess anxiousness or nervousness or excitement, whatever you want to call it, going into those games. At least for at least for us old guys. Yeah, I think that history is a lot explains a lot of it. Yeah. So, okay, this, this is going to sound kind of funny to say because of the way the game actually started with Ohio State going – or Ohio State, Oklahoma going down the field 14 plays, to scored a touchdown, and then Nebraska had the two false start penalties before their first offensive snap. But after that, 
I think Nebraska handled that environment relatively well. Now, it didn't start yes. great. The defense, I don't think that was so much the environment. Just Oklahoma went down the field and scored. And the offense had that. They started out really bad because of the environment. And then as a, as a team, though, they settled in and they played in it. And they sort of seemed to revel in it at times as the game went along. And I, that's something to me that I think it's good. I don't know that it's going to be the difference in winning and losing. Yeah. But I think especially because it's a night game at Michigan State and because they hadn't played in front of a loud, hostile crowd in quite a while going back to 2019, I think it's probably good to have experienced that and, and said, oh, shoot, yeah we can't jump off sides. We can't fall start. Mm-hmm. And yes, we can handle this sort of environment and get that out of the way before you go to the woodshed on Saturday. Yeah. When, when you started that little soliloquy, my thought was, I don't think it's going to help that much, but by the time you ended it, I was like, yeah, you know what? That, that game might actually help that team. this week. I'm never it's- totally convinced on those conversations, but I think you might've convinced. I'm curious to see the atmosphere Saturday night. Uh, I was just talking to trading emails with Matt Charbonneau, who covers Michigan State for the Detroit News, and he thinks it's going to be a, a raucous atmosphere, a wild atmosphere. Go. Let's go. It's not – I mean, that's not something you really think of with Michigan State. No. Football. No. Right? No. Like, you know, yeah. maybe maybe when Michigan comes in or maybe when Ohio State comes in or That student section is always charged up, though. It's one, of the, it's one of the best in the conference. The student section is for sure. I feel like you're being okay. a little facetious. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. They, okay. No, they fill up. They got a corner. They have like a corner wedge and they it's they're charged up all the time. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't know. I, I'm sure it'll be good. I just don't know. Will it rise to the level of Oklahoma? Probably not because it's just different. But yeah, like you guys said, it, it can't hurt Nebraska having played in that environment last week for they're not going to see anything in Michigan State or hear anything at Michigan State that they didn't hear at Oklahoma. Uh, that's I'll tell sure. you. I'll tell you what's interesting to me, and I, I know I've said it to you in the car, and we have the same conversations, but not in front of public like we're doing now. That, that if I, Michigan State outscored Miami 21 to 3 in the fourth quarter, they are rolling into their home state. Rolling. That is, I've always felt that when I'm watching an NBA series, like a seven game series, game two. If a team has a good fourth quarter, it carries over. If a team has a bad fourth quarter, even if they're in a blowout, that that, that can hurt them. Um, so I think that rolling off a 21 to three fourth quarter advantage at Miami, I think they're kind of coming in with a ton of momentum. Now Nebraska's got to wrestle that bowl down right away. I think. I mean, it can. Yeah. That's what it. That's what it's like. You got to wrestle down. You got to take that bowl by the horns. And, and wrestle it down like you're in a rodeo, right? Mel, Mel Tucker was talking earlier this week, and he said they have, like, their players wear, like, the GPS stuff, like like most college teams do. You know, they have – it tracks how far you run and how fast you run and, and those sorts of things. And he said, according to that data, Michigan State was running faster in the fourth quarter than it was in the first quarter of that game. Is that right? Is that against, right? Against Miami. Think Is about that, right? that, you know. Yeah, in, in, in the heat. In the, in, the, in the heat, in the humidity, in a, against a good opponent. You know, it's so it tells you, yeah, they, they just built as the game went on. They, they didn't limp out of there. Like you said, they they flew out of there and now they're flying into their home stadium with a chance to make a statement. So, yeah, I'm you're right. Sip. They're going to have to wrestle that bowl down. 
right out of the gate. And it's going to be a matter of if they, if they can do it or not. And if they do, they're, they're going to have a really good chance to win that game. If not, it, it might be a rough night. Wood chips are flying in the woodshed. Yeah. yeah Kenneth well, the Walker, flying in the woodshed. Speaking of yeah. goals, Kenneth Walker, the third, oh. 372 of his 493 yards have occurred after contact. So that's bull. a bull. Horse. That's a bull. He's yeah. a bull. He's a bull. He's a horse. Leads the nation in rushing yards, rushing yards per game. His rushing yards per game is, I think, 24 more per game than second place right now. Um, he's got 70-some yards, more than second place in, in total rushing yards per game. First carry of his career, he took 75 yards to the to the residents against Northwestern. Um it's a different. This isn't your. Uh, this isn't your daddy's Michigan State offense. They've scored on a seventy-five yard touchdown two of their three games so far. On the first, first play. play, yeah, on the first play. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins would take offense to that. I um, yeah. Now this is interesting. This whole Walker thing is interesting to me because he wasn't even the starter at Wake Forest. No, he wasn't. He was no. good though. He was good. Five hundred seventy-nine yards in back-to-back years. Five seventy-nine. He hit it on the nose back-to-back years, which is strange enough. Yeah, um, 579, 579. Yeah, he was good, but I don't know. It wasn't like this. Let me let me let me throw a stat at you, Sipple. Against Northwestern, he had runs of 75, 50, and 30. Hello. In the Hello. in the last two games, his longest carry is 25. So it I'm not saying he's not good. He's obviously good, but he had a ridiculous first game where he ripped off three huge runs. And then he's just been good. I mean, he's been really good since then. But, you know, he had four touchdowns week one. He only played two quarters against Youngstown State because they blew him out. Uh, And then he was good, but in a much more workmanlike way against Miami. He got to 170 yards, nothing to sneeze at. Uh, But he had to work harder for it against the Hurricanes for sure than he did against uh, Northwestern. I thought it was interesting. Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. No, I was just saying. I thought it was interesting hearing Eric Janander talk yesterday just about what the challenge in defending him. And he talked about he knows how to use use your leverage against you. He knows how to how to cut off a, a defensive lineman, get into the crease and go. And it, I think it's going to be such an interesting challenge for Nebraska's defense, depending on how they line up. You know, just the structure of Nebraska's defense. I'm not going to climb into the weeds and claim I know anything special here, but you know, sometimes Nebraska likes to play those outside linebackers kind of kind of a little wider uh, as as pass rushers and get into the backfield. So it's I feel like it's going to be a big game for Nebraska's defensive linemen. They've got to they've got to set their leverage and set their set their marks, and the linebackers have to have the the eye discipline to stay in the lanes they're supposed to stay in, or else he, he's gone down the field. And, and like what Parker said, defenses have kind of figured that out over the last couple of weeks. So we'll see if Nebraska can do it too. And this will probably be the best defense Michigan State has faced so far, uh, if, if we're being honest. So going to be a real interesting matchup. If, if, if he has another big game, then Nebraska's in trouble. Yeah, How? okay, so against two power five teams, Illinois and Oklahoma, Nebraska's given up an average of 180.5 rushing yards. How? So how would you guys say that run defense is? I mean, I don't – it's nuanced a little bit, right? It's a yeah. nuanced conversation. Why do you think of Nebraska's run defense, guys? It is. Guys. I, it, it, yeah, it's new. I mean, they haven't been they haven't been lights out, that's for sure. I mean, they've given up some yards. The thing about it is, at the end of the day, you know, the defense, we're talking about the defense, gave up 21 points against Illinois, seven against Buffalo, and uh, 21. 21 against Oklahoma. 21. So, 
So to me, 23. So to me, yeah, the two on the safety. Yeah, so 21. 22, 7, and 21. So that, that you should win games. Like if that if that's what you're doing, you should win games. So when push comes to shove, the reason why they've given up some yards on the ground, but they haven't got hurt too badly by it is because they haven't given up the huge plays. You know, Epstein, I think, got him for a 40-yarder. And uh, Kevin Marks from Buffalo at one point got him for a 30 or 40-yarder. 30, 30. But they tackled and then didn't break after those hits. And they haven't let anybody go 60 to the house. They haven't let anybody go Kenneth Walker on the first play against Northwestern against him. So if you do that, if you tackle and you get the guy to the ground, even when he gets 10, 15, 20 yards and you live to fight another day, they're good enough that they've been able to get off the field in some situations. So don't give up the home run, you know, keep the teams between the twenties and, and, and they're, they've been living pretty good. Um, not true, Ben, but don't break, but they've been living pretty good by that sort of, you know, uh, production so far. Yeah. Thanks guys. Right. So Baz, Baz, you covered something today, a, a hoops media event. Before we get to that, do we want to do football predictions real quick? Oh, my bad. So, good job. No, Way to keep it on good. the tracks, Baz. Well, that's um, what I'm here. I'm the conductor. Just keeping yikes. it, keeping it pointing. <laughs> yeah, this let's do me predictions. Right now. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I think Nebraska loses a close game again. I think I'm going to go final 23-22 Michigan State. I think the kicking game hurts Nebraska again. I think Kenneth Walker breaks off with at least one long run. That's probably the difference in the Jeez. game. So I know I, I, I proved to me that you can win one of those games. That's what it comes down to. They haven't, they haven't proven it. So if, like I said, Nebraska could very well win this game, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did. But but for now, they haven't proven they can do it. So until they prove it, I, I got to pick against them. It's going to be Michigan State in a tight one. All right, let's go keep you, the youth movement going. Go ahead, Parker. Yeah, ever since we – even after that game against Oklahoma, uh, my my brain says, you know, similar to what, what Baz said, Michigan State, close. I've said, I don't know how many times I've said this on this podcast over the last four years – I just want to see him win a close game, so on and so forth. Um, for whatever reason, I'm going. This is purely a hunch. It just, I don't have a great rationale for it. I agree with everything Baz said. Um, I think somehow, some way, Nebraska gets out of East Lansing with a win. Um, and so, against my probably better judgment, um, I'm picking Nebraska 23 21. It's interesting. I, I have wrongfully characterized Michigan State's defensive front as kind of a typical Michigan State dominant defensive front. Today, Graham Couch told me that it's a plucky defensive front. Plucky. Um, which, yeah, plucky. I, you know, if I'm a – I've never described the Sue Crick defensive front as plucky. Um, no. The, uh, and that's not probably what you want. They're not – you know, he – he characterized them as good defensively, but not, you know, not maybe typical Michigan State. I'm, I'm, I'm with Baz, though, on this. I just can't. I think Nebraska's pretty good. I think they're a pretty good team. But I don't know that I trust the offensive line. If I, I mean, I think they're going to have to manage that hole the, the, as the season goes on. And maybe they can manage it Saturday night. But I'm with Baz. i got to prove it to me. Close. I think it's going to be close. I'm, I'm going to say 24 to 17 
loss. Michigan State prevails 24 to 17. And then I it's just I don't know where that where it all goes from there. Downhill. I don't know where it all goes from there. On, on, on the Northwestern. On the Northwestern. Downhill to Memorial Stadium for a for a 64% capacity game. A non-sellout, the streak ends. And then well, we're... here's the thing. That's why I get back to why it's so big. The I know. conversation feels a little too heavy to me right now. It's very heavy. There's a lot of weight. They need – it's weighty. It's weighty. <laughs> they need to lighten it up, and, it, and this would do it for a while. Yeah. Yeah, at least for a they're like Atlas. Yeah, they're Atlas. They're more like Sisyphus. Am, oh, they're more like Sisyphus. I am they're pushing like, that. You're like Atlas. You're yeah. like Atlas. Nebraska's like Sisyphus, pushing that boulder up the hill and then letting it roll back down. Oh, ouch! Ouch! There's your there's oh. your Greek literature history hoops. Photo day today over at Hendricks. I uh, got to meet the fellas up close um, for the first time since uh, school started, basically. Everybody president accounted for. Um, they look like they look like a division one. They look like a Big Ten team. Good size, good good athleticism. Uh, Wilhelm Breidenbach has maybe the longest arms I've ever seen on a human being. Um, <laughs> he's got this huge bushy beard and he wears goggles. Like he's going to be the guy that Nebraska opponents hate. I think uh, for the next couple of years. Is he like Rambus? Um, he's like Rambus a little bit. Maybe not quite the a hole Rambus is. But yeah, Ra- Rambus is an ass. He, he is an ass. I would not call – I would not characterize Wilhelm Breidenbach as an ass. <laughs> I have a Rambus story. I'm not going to tell it now. You go. You got to keep going. But Okay. Um, yeah, go ahead. All right. More no, on the just, Huskers. <laughs> more on the Huskers. <laughs> they start practice uh, September 28th, so this coming Monday, uh, start fall practice. I think they – I think they like what they have. Just talking to guys around the program today and people around the program, they're – they like how the schedule kind of sets up for them early in the year. They like that that game against Auburn early in the year down in Atlanta. They, I think, I just, I really think they like what they have. And I know some of that can be lip service in the preseason, so we'll see what it ends up looking like. But there's a chance for this team to start strongly uh, in the non-conference. You know, I, I could see eight or nine wins in the non-conference if this team, if what they're saying is real. And so, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, the guys today talked about, Kisi Tomonaga, the Japanese player that's come in, they think they say he's really good. Like he's legitimate, uh, can really shoot it, can do some other things. Obviously, Bryce McGowan's is going to be great for him. Trey McGowan's Alonzo Verge. You know, you can go down the list and name something every guy that 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 we that they like. And we'll hear more from Fred Hoiberg on Monday. Actually, he's going to speak um, before John Cook up at up in Memorial Stadium on Monday. So we'll, we'll learn more then. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I, I think I think they like what they have, and it's kind of the point now. We're still fifty, well, not quite fifty days from the from the first games. Um, a little more than a month from the exhibition game against Colorado on Halloween. So we'll see. We'll see what it looks like. But I think they feel really good about where they're at right now. Fast. That's good. Okay. So I'm not trying to think if I have any have any questions. No injuries. And you think you think it's Casey Tominaga? Is that how you pronounce it? Kisi Tomonaga. Yep. Kisi Tomonaga. You think he could be a factor as a shooter? I think he's real. I'm not saying he's going to start. He's going to help him for sure. All right. Um, All right. And what do you expect from? Come on. Let's let's get down to it. They have a five star recruit over there. Yeah. Why are we not talking about? It? I mean, is he is he? Um, what do you expect from him? Gowans, Bryce. He looks the part. I think he'll start um, this year. Uh, I think he's just got such a unique skill set. He's a, he's a 
He's a special he's, – he's the kind of player Nebraska hasn't had a long time, and you can see it in the way he moves, in the way he carries himself, in the way he acts. I went over and watched a practice this summer, yeah, and yeah, a practice yeah. in, in July is different than now or whatever, but you can just see it. Like, he's, he's, a nat, he's very naturally gifted. He's really, really good, and I think he's going to play a lot. If he doesn't start, he's going to play a lot. And yeah, yeah, he can really – I've heard Doc say he can really shoot. I mean – Yeah, they love, they love him. Freaky shooter. Yeah. yeah, freaky shooter, and they they need that. Let's be honest; they need guys that can shoot. And if your best shooter happens also happens to be a five star guy, that's that's pretty good too. So, <laughs> I expect a lot out of him. I, th- I think Nebraska does too. I think he has a chance to kind of flourish in the way they're going to play. It sounds like they're going to play a little faster this year. They're taking better care of the ball, so you might see the tempo get pushed a little more uh, with Fred's system, the, the pace and space system. So, yeah, it's. Like I say, it, it's so hard because we just haven't seen much of him yet, you know, on the court. But Bryce or yeah, Bryce McGowan's going to be a special one, I think. Is he and, is he a riser like his brother? Yes, he yes, he is. He's maybe not quite like the freak show athlete that Trey is because Trey's Trey's the best athlete on the team. I don't think there's holy God can he rise. Oh yeah, boy. but you know, Bryce is no slouch. You know, he can right. get up there too. You know, he yeah, I've he seen can some of those traffic. Guys. Yeah, so that's the thing. They've got they've got athletes that they haven't had for for quite a while, and I think they've got a few more shooters to put around them and have decent size inside with Ed Andre and and Derek Walker and Oleg Kuyenitz who can who can fill in in a pinch at seven feet tall. So they've got they've got the pieces. And I know we've said that before, and it, look, they've won fourteen games total the last two years. So who knows what's going to look like, but. It looks different. It looks different than it has to me the first couple of years under Fred. So we'll just have to, once we see him on the court, we won't really know until we see him on the court. Get to the NIT. Get to the NIT. Look. NIT or bus, baby. I, here's the thing. Um, if they finish top 10 in the Big Ten, which is not at all out of the question, they're pushing for an NCAA bid. Uh, just based on the history of that conference, you know, I think nine teams got in last year, eight or nine. They, they can be in that discussion and they're, they're going to have to play well and the league's going to be a bear, but they, they can be in that discussion for NCAA bid. And if you're doing that, then of course you're in the discussion for an NIT bid and you go from there and, and you see how you grow. But I think this team has a chance to do something this year and, and kind of take a pretty big step. I think so too. All right. That was good. That was, we went pretty long there. That was good. Is there anything All right, else? Guys. Can, can Parker do one more um, imitation of a blender? <laughs> <laughs> it's really good he did I, I did that to him on the we were, when we were getting ready to shoot our uh, videos on the field on monday and he looked at me and he's like you do a pretty good blender <laughs> that's really good that's really good for those that don't know parker's an incredible impressionist and yeah he does a lot he does a lot of different voices with a lot of different characters we're not going to share them all here Baz, Baz, you know what we haven't heard though we haven't What's heard that? one of you we haven't heard one of you, and we haven't heard one of me. He saves those for his his lovely wife, who when he complains about his coworkers after he gets done. <laughs> I'd love to hear a Baz imitation. Oh my god, that would be funny. I don't have <laughs> do a, I don't have a Baz. Baz some guys just, do. And my some guys, doesn't stack up. There's some there's some people that do a pretty good a pretty good yeah. simple. I don't I don't know if mine's particularly good. I'd like I to mean, hear just, a Baz. Just stutter a lot and, and kind of spit when you talk, and you'll, yeah. you'll have me down pretty good. <laughs> no, no, don't do it, Bob Parker. Don't do Save it. Save it for when you're ready. <laughs> All right, guys. 
Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll we'll see you next week for the next biggest game in Scott Frost tenure at Nebraska when they play Northwestern. Stop it. I'm writing a column about <laughs> Stop it. Stop so. it. Stop. Stop. And I'm going to have a blueberry muffin right now, so I'll see you later. All right. See you guys later. We'll talk to you next week.